the Ulster Economics Podcast. The podcast that keeps you up to date with what's happening economy-wise in Northern Ireland. Telling you what you need to know, but not necessarily what you want to hear. It is better to be prepared for the economic environment we're operating in and not the world we would like to be in. Episode 5, Gin and Tonic Put on Ice. Neither Armageddon nor Nirvana. That's how the chair of Westminster's Northern Ireland Affairs Committee described the first month of the Northern Ireland Protocol. Michael Gove chose an aviation metaphor to describe the turbulence so far. According to Gove, we all know that when an aeroplane takes off, that's the point when you sometimes get that increased level of turbulence. But then you eventually reach a cruising altitude and the crew tell you to take your seatbelts off and enjoy a gin and tonic and some peanuts. We're not at the gin and tonic and peanut stage yet, but Gove is confident that we will be. February has allowed more time to assess the impact of the disruption so far and how firms have adapted, or not, to the new regulatory environment. Irish Revenue has says that it has processed 1.8 million customs declarations in January, which exceeded the 1.6 million for the whole of 2020. That highlights the scale of the bureaucracy firms now face. According to a Manufacturing NI survey, one quarter of local manufacturing firms experienced a significant negative impact from the Northern Ireland Protocol in its first month. Prior to the new arrangements, a survey by the Northern Ireland Chamber of Commerce warned that over half of local firms were concerned about attitudes in GB to the new regulations. This fear has been borne out by the Manufacturing NI survey. Unaware, unprepared or unwilling to engage sounds like homeschooling, but that was the overwhelming reaction of GB suppliers to the new Northern Ireland Protocol arrangements. Over three quarters of firms found their GB suppliers unaware, unprepared or unwilling to engage with the new arrangements. Some of these deficiencies can be addressed, but with close to one in seven GB firms unwilling to engage with uh, their Northern Ireland counterparts, that is a challenge. 30% of local manufacturing firms have invested in expertise to adapt to the new regulatory world, while 25% have reorientated supply chains away from Great Britain altogether. Looking ahead, almost 3 in 10 manufacturing firms view Northern Ireland's status in the UK and EU as an opportunity either now or in the medium to longer term. That is encouraging, but 40% of Northern Ireland manufacturers expect disruption to persist over the next year. Remember, a variety of grace periods are due to expire in the coming months. For many firms, this will be the bureaucratic equivalent of running the gauntlet on Gladiators, the 1990s TV show. Every few months, new requirements such as health certificates and GB import checks from the EU will uh, batter some firms. These are not just teething problems. To suggest otherwise implies that the pain will go away. The financial costs associated with the new arrangements will not. Before we reach Michael Gove's gin and tonic and peanuts moment, we're likely to experience the screaming toddler and some luggage falling out of the overhead lockers. For some firms, the oxygen masks will need to be deployed and sick bags may be passed around. Eventually, we may have a gin and tonic moment, but going forward, all flights will be more turbulent and expensive than they were before Brexit. That is a fact. So what is the latest economic news telling us? Looking at the monthly PMI surveys, all 12 UK regions and the Republic of Ireland started 2021 with the sharpest deterioration in business activity since May last year. 
Lockdown restrictions were the culprit both then and now. All 12 regions also posted declines in orders and employment. Within Northern Ireland, this hat-trick of falling output, orders and employment in January was evident across all four sectors, which is manufacturing, services, construction and retail. While these contractions were less severe than the first lockdown, the same cannot be said for inflationary pressures. Input cost inflation hit a 31-month high, with construction firms seeing cost increases not witnessed in almost nine years. Higher shipping and raw material costs, coupled with increased transport costs linked to Brexit, are all being blamed. The rollout of the Brexit red tape has only just begun. Turning to the labour market. During recessions, unemployment is a key metric, with the dole queue evoking a powerful visual image. The Conservative Party capitalised on this image in 1978 with their Labour Isn't Working advertising campaign. The deeper the recession, the longer the dole queue of individuals claiming unemployment benefits. That is the theory, but it hasn't played out in this current recession. Apart from a surge in Northern Ireland's claimant count in April and May last year, the number of people claiming unemployment-related benefits has fallen for the last nine months in a row, with another thousand coming off the claimant count total in January alone. That brings the total cumulative decline since last May to 7,600. Northern Ireland's dole queue may be shortening, but the number on furlough, that is availing of the Job Retention Scheme, or JRS, is lengthening. This has become the new key indicator of COVID-19's impact on the labour market. The number of furloughed jobs jumped by almost one-fifth from 96,200 at the end of December to 114,600 on the 1st of January, which is a level not seen since last July, before ending the month of January at 106,200. That represents a 10% rise in the month, with one in seven jobs in Northern Ireland on furlough. And if you discount the public sector, which hasn't utilised this scheme in significant numbers, you're looking at almost one in five of all private sector jobs. The wholesale and retail sector accounted for one in four of all furloughed jobs, that's 27,000, followed by the hospitality sector, which is food and accommodation, with almost 25,000, or 23%. Manufacturing accounted for 9,300 jobs, or almost 9%, which is perhaps surprising and somewhat concerning given that manufacturing is arguably one of the least affected sectors from lockdown restrictions. Arts, entertainment and recreation and construction together accounted for a further 13,000 furloughed jobs, or 12% of the total. The number of self-employed in Northern Ireland has fallen at a record rate, of over 16% in the year to the fourth quarter of 2020. Meanwhile, 62,000 individuals claimed 170 million with the third Self-Employment Income Support Scheme grant, or SEISS, which represented a take-up rate of 65%. If we combine JRS and SEISS, that means that 158,200, or 19%, almost one in five of Northern Ireland's entire workforce, or in receipt of employment support. Next week's budget is expected to see these schemes extended again, but the $64,000 question is, what proportion of these jobs will be lost when these support measures are eventually withdrawn? Given the scale of employment support provided, the headline unemployment rate of 3.6% for the three months to December 2020 is very low and the lowest in the UK, but it is a pretty meaningless indicator. 
Meanwhile, the employment rate, that's the percentage of people of working age, and the economic inactivity rate, those neither in work or looking for work, both moved in the wrong directions. The employment rate fell below 70% for the first time in almost two years in the fourth quarter, while the economic inactivity rate hit 28% for the first time in almost three years. The Labour Force survey for Q4 2020 revealed the biggest annual fall in individuals in employment since Q3 2009. That was a fall of 36,000 or 4%. There has been a marked acceleration in the rate of decline in employment since Q3 last year. The younger generations are bearing the brunt of COVID-19 economically. Close to 90% of the fall in employment is amongst the 16 to 34 year age group, with over 70% falling within the 16 to 24 year old category. The younger age group has seen employment fall by almost a quarter over the last year. One of the more positive pieces of labour market news is the continued drop in Northern Ireland's labour market R number, or redundancies. Following a record year for both proposed and confirmed redundancies, there were just 190 confirmed redundancies in January, which is the lowest figure since June last year. There were also no new redundancies proposed last month. Unprecedented employment support measures prevented the labour market from deteriorating severely, as one would expect in the deepest recession in 300 years as far as the UK is concerned and 100 years as far as Northern Ireland is concerned. Another area has been insolvencies. Corporate insolvencies fell by 57% last year to a new series low, with more than half of 2020's total occurring in the first quarter. Personal insolvencies plumbed a new low too, following a 35% year-on-year decline. Meanwhile, mortgage actions for possession, which is essentially mortgage arrears, almost ground to a halt since the second quarter of last year, with 2020 down 76% year-on-year for the full year and recording a new low. Once the pandemic has passed and all the emergency support measures are lifted, we can expect insolvencies and arrears to surge. Looking at other signs of recovery in terms of car sales and the property market, last year January was the best month for new car sales and traditionally is the busiest month after March. Not this year. Following last year's record decline of 30%, car sales are still rolling backwards. Local showrooms did see sales in January rise by over a third relative to December, the quietest month of the year, but they were still down 54% relative to January 2020. A decline of this magnitude has not occurred outside of the first lockdown and lockdown restrictions, which largely limited showrooms to a click and collect service, significantly impacted on sales. Northern Ireland's decline compared with a 40% fall across the UK, which marked the worst January since 1970. It is worth remembering that not all car types or brands suffered the same fate last year. Electric vehicle sales soared by almost 40% and premium brands fell at half the rate of non-premium brands. Looking at property, the fourth quarter marked the best quarter for residential property transactions since Q2 2007, which was when Northern Ireland's housing boom was in full flow. Despite this impressive recovery, sales were still down 17% for the year, with transactions at a seven-year low. January is traditionally one of the quietest months for transaction activity, but 2021 has begun the way 2020 ended, with the best January in 15 years. The 2,220 transactions represented a 16% increase year-on-year. January's RICS and Ulster Bank Residential Market Survey reported strong demand, but supply is softening. The current supply and demand dynamic is supportive of house price growth in the near term. 
not what first-time buyers want to hear. But another feature is the surge in what could be dubbed as working from home demand or WFH. Northern Ireland offers the best of both worlds. Work in London, the country's highest wage location, yet live in the most affordable residential property market in the UK that is Northern Ireland. What's not to like? There are stories of big game hunters and fat salaries in London coming in droves to bag four and five bedroom homes in North Downs Gold Coast and the leafy suburbs of Belfast. More and more, Northern Ireland expats working in GB may find that COVID-19 and uh, working from home has triggered a behavioural reset and lifestyle aspirations of 30 and 40-somethings. Watch this space. Next week, we will see whether the temporary stamp duty land tax, or SDLT, reduction is extended beyond the end of March. I expect it will, but Northern Ireland's recent spike in demand is more to do with WFH than SDLT. The non-residential market's recovery has been less impressive than the residential market. Transactions hit a 20-month high in December, and Q4 was the best quarter for sales in three years. Albeit 2020, taking the year as a whole, fell by almost one quarter and was the weakest in seven years. January saw transaction levels fall by 4.5% year-on-year. Northern Ireland's residential property price growth slowed to 2.5% year-on-year in the fourth quarter of 2019. That was its weakest growth in six years. But COVID-19 appears to have provided an adrenaline shot for demand. Residential property prices accelerated to 3% quarter-on-quarter in Q4, 2020, which was the fastest quarterly growth rate in four and a half years. That takes the standardised price of a local property to almost 147,600. That marks a 12-year high. Prices have increased by 5.3% year-on-year. That's almost £7,500 in a year, and by 51% since the trough in the market some eight years ago. Northern Ireland's house price growth compares with just 0.6% year-on-year for the Republic of Ireland and 7.1% for the UK. Northern Ireland may lag behind the UK in terms of house price growth, but not private sector rents. Local private sector rents increased by 2.7% year-on-year in the last quarter of 2020, which was the highest of all 12 UK regions and twice the national average. Looking at uh, house price growth from a regional perspective, the Causeway Coast and Glens saw annual residential property prices rise by 8.5% year-on-year in Q4 2020. That was slightly behind Newry, Morn and Down, which was just under 9%. But the Causeway Coast and Glens has been the star performer for house price growth over the last two, three and five years, with prices rising by 14%, 21% and 37% respectively. The temporary reduction in stamp duty land tax has provided an additional incentive for those purchasing second homes. This temporary reduction, which also benefits purchasers of primary residences up to 500000 is set to expire at the end of March. However, the modus operandi of the current Chancellor has been to extend incentives and support measures, particularly with lockdown restrictions still in place. Rishi Sunak could well announce an extension of the SDLT temporary reduction at the budget on the 3rd of March. Lockdown triggered a record slump in house completions in the second quarter last year, but a healthy rebound kicked in during the second half of 2020. Over 2,100 units were completed in Q4, representing a 9% year-on-year rise. However, 2020 still recorded a 14% year-on-year decline relative to 2019. That equates to over 1,000 fewer housing units coming onto the market and just 6,420 
for the year as a whole, which marked a five-year low. Looking ahead, 2021 looks set to see housing supply reduced for a third year, given that housing starts continued to fall in the third and fourth quarter last year. Just over 6,000 dwellings were started last year, which represents the lowest since 2014. Restricting supply will provide support for prices. And it is worth noting that apart from the period following the housing market crash, Northern Ireland is building the lowest number of houses since the early 1980s. So looking ahead to the month of March, on the data front, February's PMI is expected to record a fifth successive month of falling output, albeit the rate of contraction should ease relative to January's steep decline. The input cost and output price indices are expected to show a further acceleration in inflationary pressures. Rising business costs and commodity prices are expected to become more of an issue in the coming weeks and months. With oil prices having increased by 17% in the month of February and a whopping 200% in sterling terms since last April's low, rising energy prices are a given. In Northern Ireland, SSE has already announced a 3.9% electricity price rise from the 1st of March. Other gas and electricity providers will follow. NISRA's Q4 quarterly employment survey and the index of production and services surveys will be the key local releases in March. The Labour Force survey, which surveys individuals rather than employers, saw a notable deterioration in employment in Q4. Will the quarterly employment survey confirm the same with job numbers? On the output side, the indices of production, which is mostly manufacturing, and private sector services revealed record rates of expansion in Q3, following their record rates of decline in the second quarter. Q4 saw a return to lockdown restrictions, and both surveys are expected to report quarterly falls in output. But the key event of the month is going to be Rishi Sunak's second budget on the 3rd of March. It is surprising to think it's only his second budget, but he has had 13 fiscal announcements since the last one. The Chancellor is expected to extend swathes of the various support measures in place, such as the furlough scheme and the temporary reductions in VAT for the hospitality sector. We can also expect further public spending announcements, which will provide the Stormont Executive with a further sizeable dollop of public spending. Last year, Northern Ireland received $3.3 billion over and above its normal block grant allocation. That's broadly equivalent to the budgets of the Departments for Education and the Economy. Rishi Sunak is also likely to do more on the tax-raising front. Significant tax rises will happen, but when? Next week perhaps feels six months too early, but we may well see Rishi Sunak rolling the pitch for future tough measures further down the line. If you want more of a preview on the budget, check out the recent blog post on the ulstereconomics.com website. I am Richard Ramsey. Thank you for listening. That was episode five, Gin and Tonic, Put on Ice, of the Ulster Economics podcast, February 2021. You can stay up to date by following us on our ulstereconomics.com website or following us on social media. <laughs>